Constance. And I'm Lucinda. And together in our Kids Law podcast, we're going to look at how law affects children as we grow up. So Alma Constance, what are we going to look at in this first episode of Series 4? Well, in our previous episodes, we have talked about human rights. And I would like to know how girls are protected by these rights and more generally, how they are used in criminal cases that affect children. We have heard in previous episodes that human rights are the basic thing that every person needs to live with dignity and develop their potential, such as food, housing, education, healthcare, the right to expression, to hold religious beliefs and to be protected against violence, abuse and discrimination. Children and girls in particular can need special protection. Let's talk to Sultana Tafada, KC of Number 5 Barristers Chambers. She is a very experienced expert in human rights and a criminal barrister who was the first hijab-wearing criminal barrister to be appointed King's Counsel. She's also the chair of the Bar Standard Board's Task Force on Religion and Belief. Together with her 11-year-old daughter, Safia, they launched a new non-profit organisation, Girls Human Rights Hub, in 2023 to help girls and young women achieve gender equality and eradicate gender-based violence. Hello, Sultana and Safia. Thank you so, so much for joining us on our Kids Law podcast today. Could you please tell us how human rights work with the criminal legal justice system to protect children? Hi, Alma, Constance and Lucinda. First of all, thank you for having us on the show. Safia and I are very excited to be um, on this podcast. Now, in terms of how human rights and the criminal justice system interact as far as kids are concerned. So if children find themselves in trouble, then they have the same rights as adults. So they have the right to a fair trial, the right to have legal representation. They have the right to have the opportunity to be heard, to present their evidence and to defend themselves. They have the right to be presumed innocent, just like an adult would. And they have the right not to be subject to arrest and detention without legal justification. Now, children have the right to privacy and dignity in the criminal justice system. And what that means is when children find themselves as defendants, the judge or the court would protect their identity. So they would put in place reporting restrictions. So, for example, uh, a reporter is talking about a case, they wouldn't be able to reveal the name of that particular child, because, of course, they have to go through the process and it would be unfair to reveal people's names, especially when they're young, because there are safeguarding issues. So that's one particular measure on how courts protect young people. Another way which courts protect young people is to try them within youth courts as far as they're able to. And so youth courts are a little bit different from when you go to the Crown Court. Youth courts are supposed to be a little bit more child-friendly and they take into account the special needs of the child. But unfortunately, if children commit very, very serious offences, then they do go into the adult courts, which are the Crown Courts. But again, the courts do have to take into account their age. You know, they have to give them breaks. They have to give them a a little bit more support than they would if it were an adult. And all of these things are protecting the basic human rights of children within the system. Now, 
Also, if somebody's convicted, courts will pass sentences. So they'll see whether there are other measures that they can impose rather than custody. So rather than sending them to prison, they'll think, well, is there another way of ensuring that this child is reformed? How can we help them integrate back into society rather than just punishing them by sending them to prison? Because there's this idea that young people uh, can change, can become better because they haven't developed yet fully. And so as they do grow and with the right kind of guidance, they can be they can become good citizens. And so the justice system takes into account what kind of sentence to pass when it comes to children. So this is how the human rights of children are protected within a criminal justice system. Could you please tell us what made you decide to specialise in human rights as a barrister? How have you worked in this area and what other areas do you practice in? Good question. So human rights cuts across lots of different areas of law. So if you practice family law, you'll have different human rights issues. If you work in immigration law, there'll be lots of um, issues again that crop up there. So really in every area you get human rights issues. So I work within the criminal justice system and I do cases involving serious crime, such as murders and terrorism related cases. So you do have human rights issues within those cases. And so we tackle them when we're in court. I also do international law cases. So these are sometimes more paper-based. And so, for example, you'd be making applications to the UN or to the European Court. And again, you can have a wide range of issues that crop up. Why did I go into human rights law? It's an area that's been always of interest to me for as long as I can remember. And before I became a barrister, I used to work for various human rights organizations, but I always felt a little bit frustrated. I thought, well, actually, to bring about real change, you have to get inside the courtroom. And that's where you can see change happening, where you can bring about change yourself. And so just to give an example, if you look at the American civil rights movement, so if we're going back in time now, there were people who were engaged in nonviolent protest. But there were times where there were court cases which really radically changed the civil rights situation. So Brown versus Board of Education was a case involving whether a young black girl could go to an all-white school. And the decision was yes. And so she went in and that began a change and it had ripple effects. And ultimately, it helped to bring down some of these barriers of inequality that existed in America. And so the law can be a really powerful tool. And I wanted to use the law as a tool to bring about change, to bring about fairness in the system and try and see if we can bring about justice for everybody. So that's why I went into this area of law. Have you been involved in work that specifically involved the protection of children's human rights or criminal cases involving children? So we we do sadly get lots of children who find themselves caught up in the criminal justice system. And I do represent young people who find themselves in that difficult situation. So unfortunately, children do get accused and convicted of being involved in very serious offences, such as murder and terrorism. And so throughout the trial process, what I try and do is ensure that they're heard, that they have a voice, and that the vulnerabilities that they have are brought to light. So you can get situations, for example, where young people are sometimes groomed into committing offences. 
There's something called county lines where people actually get young people involved in selling drugs for them. And, and that can then escalate and end up in an even more serious situation involving um, serious violence. And so we try and raise the particular vulnerabilities um, of young people within the criminal justice system. So you do get a lot of people uh, who are groomed online. And uh, I do a lot of ter- terrorism-related work, and you do get lots of people who are drawn in, who are groomed or radicalized online. There's also neurodiversity issues, sometimes with young people who find themselves in difficult situations. And these are issues that need to be raised in court. So the judge, the jury, everyone can understand why it is they behave uh, or why they've behaved in a particular way. And so there are lots and lots of issues that crop up when it comes to young people um, that really need to be addressed in court. I know that you are very passionate about equality and that you have recently founded the Girls Human Rights Hub in 2023. Why do girls need special protection in this area? And was there a particular event or thing that happened that led you to establish the Girls' Human Rights Hub? Good question. So girls do need particular protection when it comes to human rights. When you look at human rights, usually the conversation around human rights is usually women's rights. And girls become a subset of that. They're a part of that discussion. But there's never really a focus just on girls and girls' human rights. And actually, if you look at the human rights situation in different countries in the world, you'll find it's actually girls who suffer the most when it comes to their rights. You only have to look at the situation in Afghanistan, for example, and see that girls don't actually have the right to education. If you look at things like climate change and climate justice, It's something that affects everybody, but actually it affects girls the most. Every time there's a humanitarian disaster, there are always difficulties that girls in particular experience. So like recently, there was the earthquake in Morocco, and there were reports coming out that girls were really struggling. And and this is really hard to sort of grapple with. Unfortunately, traffickers are always present in those types of situations. So girls are more vulnerable to being trafficked. There were reports coming out at the time that young girls were being forced into child marriages. They may have become orphaned or their parents just didn't have the finances to look after them. And so people were coming in saying, we will marry this young child. And those are just some of the issues that girls face. And if you look around the world, even things like menstrual equity, girls don't have access to menstrual products. Whether you're looking at the UK, there are lots and lots of statistics that show that girls actually end up missing school because they don't actually have menstrual products and they feel embarrassed going to school. If you look at other parts of the world, they don't have access again and they can end up using things like rags and get infected and so forth when it just comes to something as simple as menstruation. And so there are so many areas where girls are affected in particular, and it's really important not to put girls into this big category of women's rights, but actually focus in on girls' rights. And that was one of the reasons why we set up uh, Girls Human Rights Hub. Now, Safia, who is my co-founder, my inspiration for setting up Girls Human Rights Hub, and it really came about through a discussion we were having. Uh, Safia is a bit of a frustrated lawyer. She wants to learn the law and she wants to use it as a tool to again you know fight for human rights 
And and Safi has been passionate about human rights. Perhaps it's because of discussions we have. You know, they learn about various topics in school. We travel quite a lot. And so Safia learns quite a lot about the situation in different countries. And so we were having this discussion a couple of years ago where she said, can you not train me? And why do I have to wait so long? And we came up with the idea then, rather than me just training Safia, it would be great if we could have a platform. We could just train all girls. And then all girls have these skills and they have the knowledge and they have the tools where they can claim their own human rights and that they can fight for the human rights of others. And so that's really how it came about. So it was two years in the making and we launched this year finally. That sounds really, really great. How does it work in practice? So the idea is we provide knowledge and training. We have on our website quite a lot of information about various human rights issues that affect girls. Everything from sports equality, the right to education, to violence against girls, to trafficking, child marriages and so forth. Now, the idea is that girls read and learn about their rights. They learn about what international law in particular says about their human rights. And the reason we say that is because international law sets this standard of what your rights are and should be. But different countries vary. So different countries may have laws that aren't necessarily adequate. And so we say, well, look at international law. This is agreed upon by all countries. And so if you're asking for your rights, do it on the basis of what international law says. And so we provide them the knowledge. And then the next stage is to provide them with the training. And so we have various events that are going to be launching soon. And we have a huge event coming up in February next year called the Girls' Human Rights Festival. And Safia will probably be able to tell you more about it, but it's a huge five-day event. And the idea is that we provide girls with training on advocacy. So advocacy is how to campaign for human rights. The other one is on leadership skills. So what skills do you need as a girl to advocate for rights? So things like being able to speak in public, being able to negotiate conflict resolution skills, diplomacy skills. And the idea is girls learn these skills and then they can participate in decision-making processes. They can sit on the school council and within the community on councils that make important decisions. Nationally, they can do it and internationally. And then the third area, because I'm a lawyer, we have the litigation skills section. So we want to teach girls how to use the law within courtroom settings to campaign, to advocate for human rights. And when we talk about girls, we mean girls from the age of 11 to 24. So the UN defines girls as being up to the age of 24. So we want to give people a wide range of skills. So depending on their preferences, to utilise those skills to fight for human rights. We would like to welcome your daughter, Safia, to our Kisler podcast. Can you tell us more about your involvement in the Girls' Human Rights Hub? Well, ever since I was young, I learned about human rights and I learned about the American Civil Rights Movement and how Martin Luther King campaigned to end inequality. And I learned about Gandhi and how like, the fight of independence came about in India. And I found this quite inspiring because I had also learned about Malala and the right to education in Afghanistan and Greta Thunberg and her fight for climate justice. And that's how I developed a interest in human rights, because I found how everyone should be heard and everyone should have a free opinion. 
So I get involved by helping my mom out, organizing things for the Girls Human Rights Hub campaigns, such as taking notes during the meetings and also helping her find speakers because I'm quite interested in human rights. So I do know quite a lot of people who could speak at the events. And I'm also going to be helping maybe giving a short speech during the campaigns and also attending the workshops as well and helping to organise. Sultana, how do you think law can be used to help girls to have more protection and achieve equality in society? So the law is an incredible tool. In the wrong hands, it can be used to take away people's rights. And in the right hands, it can be used as a tool to achieve equality and to fight for rights. There's so much that needs to be done in terms of ensuring girls achieve equality within society. And so all of the topics I mentioned within Girls Human Rights Hub, those are all issues that um, really need to be tackled. So we know child marriage is wrong. And there are countries that say um, that young girls should not be married off, but it still happens. And so we need enforcement of the laws. And we also need to ensure that we get communities and people to change their minds. Because sometimes whether the law exists or not, people still hold particular opinions. And it's really important that everybody understands what human rights are, what the basic human rights are that girls should have. And so there's quite a lot of work that needs to be done. And sometimes we make advances when it comes to girls' human rights. But unfortunately, a lot of the time, we also go backwards. Nobody would think something like the right to education is anything particularly contentious. But again, I gave the example of Afghanistan, where we see girls not allowed to study. But actually, also, if you look at other countries, there are millions and millions of girls out of school who don't get a primary school education, who don't get a secondary school education, who can't go into further education. When you look at work, again, girls and women are limited as to what they can do in terms of work. And then you have a whole host of other things, for example, female genital mutilation, menstrual inequality, sexual and reproductive rights. All of those things impact how girls live their lives. And so there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of achieving equality for girls. We have heard in other episodes about the importance of diversity in the legal justice system. Please, could you tell us your views and experiences? Gosh, tough questions. Well, diversity is just important, full stop, in every profession. Diversity not only gives people an opportunity to participate, but everybody benefits. Diversity means different people bringing different viewpoints and perspectives and different skills. And so it's just really important in every field. Now, the legal profession is becoming more and more diverse, but not quickly enough as far as I'm concerned. But again, it's really important that people from different backgrounds do enter the profession. It instills confidence in members of the public when they see people like them who are involved in the system. If you look at the statistics, there's a huge, a disproportionate representation of people from certain backgrounds within the criminal justice system, so who are defendants. But actually, when it comes to lawyers, you don't get people from different backgrounds. And so it's really important to have that diversity so that you can instill that confidence within the system. My experience is I've been at the bar since 2005, 
and I wear a hijab, so I'm visibly uh, Muslim. And when I first came to the bar, it was difficult to find people like myself. And it's over the years, it's improved to an extent at the criminal bar. I think there's probably now a handful of people who wear the hijab, but this is only recent. And in fact, there isn't really diversity in terms of race. If you look at female silks, I think when when I took silk, I think it was under 40 women of colour who had ever taken silk, who had ever been appointed Queen's Council. And so the numbers were really minuscule. And it's really important to improve all of this to ensure that women get to reach the heights of the profession. Uh, but also there are added difficulties when a woman comes from a different racial or ethnic background or a religious background. There are layers of difficulties which are compounded, which make it more difficult to progress. So I, I am a passionate advocate for diversity within this profession and every profession. I have a question I ask all of our guests. What were you like at 10 and what did you imagine you would go on to be as an adult? I'd like to say I was an absolutely lovely child at 10, but I think you'd have to ask my mom about that. And I'm not sure she would agree with that um, statement. I have always been uh, vocal and fairness and equality and justice and these things were always very important to me. And for as long as I can remember, always wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to get inside the courtroom. I wanted to have a voice so I could bring about change. I'd grown up at a time where it was quite difficult. I'm from an ethnic minority background and I did experience a lot of racism growing up and so for me it was something that I wanted to tackle I wanted to fight I wanted to ensure that everybody was treated fairly and so for as long as I can remember I think I was born wanting to be a lawyer. How about you Safia what do you hope to be when you grow up? When I grow up, I hope to be a human rights lawyer because I think it's important to stand up for people who perhaps don't have a voice against people who do and just try to make society a more just place. Yeah, a little bit perhaps of my influence on Safia, but Safia can be whatever she wants to be, but she seems quite firmly fixed on becoming a human rights lawyer. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming onto our podcast and telling us about your work and views about human rights and protecting girls in particular. Do you have any final advice for children who might want to understand more about the issues you've discussed. Yes, please get involved with Girls Human Rights Hub. Attend the training sessions. We'll have events going on in person and online. Please learn as much as you can. And the idea is that you then see what change you can bring about within your school, within your immediate community. You can bring about change nationally and internationally. Everybody has the power to make a change. You know, we have seen throughout history that one person can really make a difference. And that's what we want. That's what the one in a million campaign is. We want to train a million girls with the skills of advocacy, leadership and litigation. And so we want girls to join that campaign and be that one in a million. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Yes, Lucinda here. I was just thinking, Sultana, do you invite boys to come and listen about the issues because they may not particularly understand or do you want to Say something a bit about that. Yes. 
It's absolutely important that everybody understands issues that girls face. Looking at something, for example, like violence against girls, it can't be tackled unless boys understand those issues that arise. So we are actually looking at developing various training programs whereby boys and young men can get involved and they can understand those issues. So that is something we are looking at. Absolutely. So interesting. Thank you. I do want to thank you both so much. It sounds such a great project. So we're holding it during half term. We're hoping people will attend. We've got lots of different things going on. Well, Alma, what do you think about what Sultana and Safiya told us? Well, firstly, Sultana told us that human rights cut across many areas of law and that justice is very important to everyone. And that is why Sultana decided to be a human rights lawyer. And Safia is also very keen to get involved in this area of law. Girls can suffer the most when it comes to human rights. And this is why the Girls Human Rights Hub is so important. Yes, it's really interesting to hear Sultana talk about how law can be used to help girls have more protection and achieve equality. And the event in February 2024 sounds really exciting. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on the Girls Human Rights Hub website. I'm also very interested to know that they're keen to involve boys too. In our podcast, we've been exploring how laws work and affect young people. All of these things help children understand their rights and responsibilities so they can make informed decisions, not only about their lives, but also about voting for MPs who make the laws and understanding how the legal justice system works. It's also important that children know that they should be kept safe and that adults must care for them. Remember, if you have any worries, talk to an adult you trust and tell them how you feel. This includes your teachers at school who are there to look after you too. So tell them that you need to talk to them. We'd also love to hear what our listeners want to know more about, whether there are any stories in the news involving laws that you'd like explaining. Keep your questions coming in. Please subscribe, rate and share the podcast with your friends. See you soon in the next episode. Bye. Bye.